We are called to live in life and joy, joy and peace and, and all that we have sung about this morning in victory, but yet life is challenging. Somebody has said, first you're born, life is tough, and then you die. And, and that's not far from it. It just, it, it is. And this morning, uh, as uh, Brother Drew has shared with us, the reality of what Steve and Donna and the rest of the Dodds family are going through, we feel with them, we pray with them, and we know that that is, a, is all represented here this morning, that challenge, that struggle. The battle, uh, the battles that may have gone on during the holidays as family came together or maybe family wasn't there, uh, what they are going through, the challenges that they are going through, we are all going through also. Challenges. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, the sixth book in the Old Testament. As we look at what I've entitled this sermon, Challenges, the Heralds of Prosperity. Joshua chapter 1, that came about in verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all of this people to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place upon which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites, And as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. The setting is familiar. Moses has died. The leadership role of the nation of Israel has fallen upon uh, Joshua. The children of Israel are fixing to cross the Jordan River and go into a land they have never been in before. And it is a challenging situation for them, and yet we see in what they experience three challenging situations that we experience today. The first challenge they face and the challenge that we face is change. They were going into a country they did not know they had never been in before. Now, most of us, we don't like change. You know, somebody said the only, the only person that likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. Uh, you know, the rest of us, if it's going good, then, you know, we like it the, the way it is. But everything changes. Um, you know, families change. You have children that, you know, or you have a couple that get married, and then maybe God blesses with children, and then the children grow up, and then the children get married and the children move away and maybe the children move back and then the children move away and move back. But, uh, and in the midst of that, God gives grandchildren uh, and then they grow up and yet all of the other changes that go on with family. This may have been, uh, I'm sure in a, in a group this size, the first time that, that some of you have spent the Christmas holiday, maybe without 
uh, uh, a spouse, uh, or maybe without a, a child, or maybe your children have moved to another state, whatever it may be, and it has been, it has been, a, it has been cha ch a change and something that is, is not enjoyable. It has been a challenging situation. We change. Somebody said about the time your face clears up, your mind gets fuzzy. You know, you look in the mirror and you go, I look different than I did a few years ago. And you see the pictures from years ago and, and we all change. And most of the time we don't like change because change equals uncertainty. I don't know how this is going to work out. The second challenge that they face is that of leadership. With the death of Moses, the leadership role that people had known. They had followed Moses for 40 years. They were familiar with his voice, his face, his manner. That has now changed. And not only has that changed for the people, it had changed for Joshua. All of a sudden, Joshua, under the, 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 the leadership of the Lord, was leading two to three million people. Drew, how would you like that leadership responsibility? Drew says, I'm happy with these few thousand. Um, <clears throat> and so maybe that's where you are this morning, that there is a there is a new leadership challenge in your life. Maybe you have, have just gotten married. Maybe you've just had a, a child. Maybe you've just had uh, another child. Uh, maybe your responsibilities at work have changed. Maybe you are a single parent. Maybe you are a grandparent and responsibilities for grandchildren have come to you. It's a, it, it, is a, it is a challenging thing. Maybe none of it has changed, but all of a sudden there is a, a fresh realization of the responsibility that God has placed upon you to lead. And you realize that if you don't lead the way the Lord wants uh, that leadership to happen, that you will suffer, your family, those that are under that leadership will suffer. And you realize what President Truman said decades ago, the buck stops here. And that is a sobering thing. The third challenge is probably the most obvious of all, and that is the children of Israel were, were moving into a land that God had promised them but a land they had to conquer. The third leadership challenge is claiming our inheritance in Christ. <clears throat> you've been here, you've been at Bellevue for long, you've heard the, vo the, the, the verses that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. <clears throat> you have heard that, uh, that if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. You've heard the songs like we have sung this morning, uh, the, 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 the chorus of, of that phrase in amazing grace that my, my chains are gone, and we have heard that. But the question is, not do we know it, have we heard it, but are we living in what is rightfully ours as children of the living God? In other words, it's not just about us coping, it is about us conquering. It is about, about us living in such a way that other people look at you and say, I want what they have. 
I want that joy. I want that peace. I want that life. How do we experience that? Three things that God told Joshua that he tells us. Number one, we are to be secure. We are to be secure. Verse 5 says, no man will be able to stand before you all of the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses. I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Now, the the word, even though Joshua is is going to be moving into a, a new land, a land that he has never been in before, God is saying to him, be secure, I will not fail you. Now, that word fail is a fascinating Hebrew word. It is the, Hebrew, it is the word ratha, which means nothing to you and meant nothing to me till I looked it up. But it means to let grow slack, to let out of the grasp. Noah, if you could bring me that water right there, I promise I won't let it go out of my grasp and drop it. Um, <clears throat> What is involved in being secure? Number one, two things. Being secure in God's acceptance of you. You won't go far. You won't make much progress. You won't experience God's best in the Christian life unless you have embraced and are living in the reality that God loves you. And that in Christ you are accepted in the beloved. You won't, you won't experience God's very best unless you realize the, the words of that, uh, that ironic blessing. The Lord, the Lord bless you and keep you and the Lord make his face shine on you. <clears throat> Richard Nixon left Watergate in disgrace in 19, or left the White House in 1974 after the Watergate scandal. In 1977, Hubert Humphrey, uh, a senator and a former vice president, was dying. He knew he was dying any, any week. And he sent Richard Nixon an invitation to his funeral. He said, Richard, I want you to come to my funeral. So Richard Nixon basically made one of the first public appearances he had made in ages and came to Hubert Humphrey's funeral. And he was shunned. I mean, nobody talked to him. Nobody even wanted to look at him. And he was experiencing that. He was standing just by himself over on the side of the room. And and would have remained there. And who knows how his life would have ended up. But Jimmy Carter, the president at that time, as he came into the room, before he was seated, he looked over and he saw Richard Nixon, walked over to him, took his hand, gave him a handshake, big hug, said, Mr. President, it's good to see you. Welcome home. I don't know sometimes if the body of Christ does the job that we need to to communicate the love of Christ to one another. 
But Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says, God rejoices over you with singing. I don't know if you're a grandparent, you say, I know what that means. <laughs> you know, you grab the kids, you throw them up in the air, you hug them, you do whatever. God rejoices over you with singing. You are accepted. You are loved. You are embraced with all the love of God has in Jesus. But second of all, not only do we need to be secure in God's acceptance of us, we need to be secure in, in God's ability to use you, to use us. And there are times in, in, the, in the Christian life where we just kind of look at ourselves and go, well, I, you know, I don't know, I'm, I don't have the personality, I don't have the smarts, I don't have the words, I don't have all of this other stuff to, to live out the fullness of, of what God wants in me. I understand that. I understand that very, very well for many reasons. But one comes to mind when I was at the University of Memphis, I took art appreciation two times it may have been three. I lost count. And you may, Robert Brown is down there looking at me. He said, I didn't know you were such an appreciator of art. I wasn't. I hated it. I mean, you go into a room, they turn off the lights, and they show you pictures of buildings and things, and this is baroque or not, not broke. This is baroque or, or some of those other things. I don't know what it was. And they would go in and they, you know, I, I couldn't stay awake. I was so bored. And you said, why did you take it? The only other option was speech. <laughs> I wasn't about to. If I had to take art appreciation 16 times, there was no way I'm getting up in front of a group of people and talking. That's not going to happen. And then I got saved. All of a sudden, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm going to church, and I'm in Bible studies, and all of a sudden, I'm wanting to talk, I'm wanting to share, I'm wanting to say, hey, hey, let me tell you what I read this week. This is really cool. This is awesome. And I found myself in that. And then I get saved, and six months or so into salvation, I'm really sensing like God is calling me to preach, and I'm going, oh, Lord, wow, part of me senses that and, and, and wants to give myself to it. And then part of it says, Lord, I took art appreciation three times. <laughs> so I was in a real battle. God brings us to that place of are we going to trust him? Or are we going to rely on ourselves? Or are we going to get out on the boat and out on the water with God? I bless God that by his grace, I, I was able to take that step. But whatever that step, it's not just a call to preach. It, it is a call to share Jesus. It is a call to, to be involved in a discipleship group. It is a call to serve. There are all kinds of opportunities that it is the opportunity that you have as you're reading God's Word and God's Spirit draws you to say, are you going to do what I have called you to do? Or are you just going to stay there by yourself? I was sitting here on the front row, and all of a sudden we're singing that song, and we are overwhelmed by his presence, and I was, and, and just since the Lord leading me, well, why don't you, if you're overwhelmed by his presence, why don't you just go up here and kneel? 
Oh, Lord, I don't know in front of all these people. I don't know. But I've done that. You know, I've, I've at the place where I'm giving up on that. I say, Lord, if you call me, God, I'm going to do what you have called me to do. But we have to be secure in God. It's not about ourselves. It is about God. Second of all, we need to be strong. The word fail, remember we looked at the word, uh, let me read verse uh, 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. The word fail, as we saw, means to let out of the grasp. God says, I will not fail you. Any idea what the word strong means? In the Hebrew, it is the, the word chazah. It means to grasp firmly. God says, I won't fail you. I won't let go of you. You get a firm hold on life because of who I am. You say, how firm of a hold? 2 Samuel 18.9 talks about Absalom. Absalom was riding under the branches of a great oak and his head, literally his hair, caught fast and he was left hanging while the mule rode, rode on. The word caught fast and the word strong are the same Hebrew word. Solid, unyielding. I mean, can you imagine what that's like? You go into there and all of a sudden all this stuff, you know, grabs like branches, grabs hold of your hair. And there's another place that talks about he got his hair cut every once a year and how much it all weighed and everything. But he is doing that. All of a sudden he is just left hanging by his hair. And I'm sure, you know, he's trying to, as painful as it may be, trying to get loose, but he can't because his hair, he had some good roots, I'm telling you. I mean, you talk about being rooted and grounded. Wow, I hadn't even thought about that. But anyway, uh, about his hair was just caught fast. That's how we are supposed to live, facing the challenges of life, not moving, standing strong in the Lord. Say, Bill, how does that happen? One of my favorite verses of Scripture, Isaiah 40, 31, says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And to wait upon the Lord basically means you take all that you know of yourself and you give it to God and you are so entwined in worship and prayer, in, 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 in surrender, in service, in everything that you can't tell where you start and God stops or where God stops and you start because your heart, your soul, your mind, your spirit, and it, it is all his. And some of that happens just as we're coming to church. You know, as we are worshiping, as we are singing these songs, some of waiting is more caught than it is taught. But part of it is just caught as we are experiencing who he is. Lastly, how do we meet the challenges of life? We need to be secure in God. We need to be strong, unyielding. Last of all, we need to be scriptural. 
Verse 7 and 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. It is being in the Word of God. <clears throat> it's not just reading a chapter every once in a while. It's just not, you know, maybe reading some little devotion or whatever while you're having your morning bowl of cereal. All of those things are good. That, that's that's a, a good start. But it's, it, is, it is getting in the Word of God and, and, and abiding and living in it. Dr. Rogers had a great little, I don't know if it's a formula, but a process. Uh, I heard it decades ago, wrote it down. I think I remember it. He said, Six things you do. You read it through, think it clear, write it down, pray it in, live it out, and pass it on. That's more than just kind of putting a check or read my Bible. Read it through, think it clear, write it down, pray it in, live it out, and pass it on. I was saved in 1976 under the ministry of Bobby Moore at Broadway Baptist Church. If you're as old as I am, or maybe older, you know Brother Bobby, uh, Dr. Rogers had uh, Brother Bobby in to preach sometime. And I often thought that Brother Bobby was just the godliest man I'd ever met in my life. And I thought, I don't, I don't know why I think that. I just, I get around him and there's just a sense of the, 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 the breath of heaven upon him. And for a long time, I thought, nah, I probably just think that because I was saved under his ministry. I went to his funeral in 2010. Brother Bobby had written a book on uh, the devotional life. He was a firm, he was a committed believer in saying, you need to have a strong devotional life. You need to meet with God you need to hear from God. You need to spend time with God before the day gets going. Not, because, not, not as a preacher at church, before the day gets going. You need to spend time with God. When Brother Bobby passed away, as kids do, they start going through our stuff. And he had books upon books and books and books of, of journals of his, what he would write down in his time with the Lord. And as they started going through it, they were amazed and they kept doing research. And they realized that Brother Bobby had not missed a day of meeting with the Lord and writing down what God had said to him from 1975 to the day he died in 2010. 35 years meeting with the Lord, meeting with the Lord, meeting with the Lord. That's why he had the breath of heaven upon him. Because you got around him, he'd been with Jesus. And when you got around him, you knew it. Last May, <clears throat> on, our, uh, on the way to a family vacation in Florida, Dana and I uh, took a little detour and went to and spent the night in Enterprise, Alabama. I didn't get any shout-outs, so I don't know if we have anybody here from Enterprise, Alabama. You said, 
Why in the world did you go to Enterprise, Alabama? Because one of my favorite stories and I wanted to, is about Enterprise, and I wanted to see it for myself. In the early 1900s, things were going okay. Uh, in Enterprise, Alabama, much of the South, they raised cotton, and they did okay. And then the boll weevils came in. And the boll weevils came in and just decimated the cotton crop. People were in a bad situation. <clears throat> and then somebody came up with the bright idea of saying, you know, I wonder what will happen if we plant peanuts. And they planted peanuts and they made more money off peanuts than they ever dreamed that they could off cotton. So much so that they erected a statue of a bowl weevil. And it is there to this day. And this is what the monument says. December 11th, 1919, in profound appreciation of the boll weevil and what it has done as the herald of prosperity. The challenges you face, the challenge of change, the challenge of new responsibilities or realizing the weight of that responsibility, the challenge of, of laying hold and embracing all that is rightfully yours in Jesus. Those are, are not things that are sent to, to beat you up or to destroy you. Those challenges are the heralds of prosperity to a better life in Jesus. This morning, two types of people here. Those that are coming in, you're facing all kinds of challenges. There's guilt and fear and fear of, of, of death and loneliness and emptiness and all those kind of things. Those things are, are not meant to, to, to beat you up or to, to destroy you. Those are God's heralds of prosperity to bring you to Jesus. You weren't, you weren't made to live life on your own. I know, I did that for 21 years. That's existing. There's life in Jesus or there's existing on the other side. So some of you here this morning, the greatest thing that you need, the decision you need to make is to make that commitment to Jesus. To, to turn from your sin, to turn to Christ, to lay hold of the truth and to realize the, the, the reality that he came to this earth, he died upon a cross, he suffered for our sins, he was buried, he arose on the third day, and all that we have to do is to receive him as Lord and Savior in our lives. The second group is for those who are believers. And the things that you're going through, the hurt, the stress, the problems, the problem people, uh, all of those things are not meant to destroy you. Those are God's heralds of prosperity to wean you from the world into a fresh and new way. Experience fullness of life in Jesus.
So what are you going to do? You have a decision to make.